The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When the Magi had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. He stayed there until the death of Herod, that what the Lord had said through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod had died, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. He rose, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go back there. And because he had been warned in a dream, he departed for the region of Galilee. He went and dwelt in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. The Gospel of the Lord. When the church is looking at the possibility of canonizing an individual, of uh, maybe making them a saint of the church, one of the things they do is they go and they take lots of inventory about their life. If they had any writings or if they had journals or things, they would go and look and make sure that everything was, everything was good to go, that there was nothing that was crazy uh, or, or clearly unholy contained therein. They would go and look at their ministry and see if there was fruitfulness. Of course, one of the things is to be able to see if there are miracles that happen as a a part of their intercession for the people on earth. But one of the things they also do is they try to, in some way, look to the people who knew them the best and to be able to see exactly what kind of character they had. And if the person did not die a long time ago, they often go to the people that lived with them in their home. They go to their family. They go to the uh, fellow sisters or brothers or priests who lived in the house with them if they were part of a religious community. They go to the people of their parish if the man was a priest. They go to the people closest to them and they ask, what was their life like? Because the simple fact is that what we show our holiness most clearly, or lack thereof as the case may be, is in our homes. It's easy for us to go and to be patient with other people outside in the world. It's easy for us to do the whole list of things that St. Paul encouraged the Colossians and us to do. Because we only have to do them for a short time with this one particular person or this group of people in this scenario. But the simple fact is that when we are in our homes, when we're in our comfortable place where we, you know, whether it's our home or our workplace or whatever the case may be. It's easy for us to simply let ourselves be who we are. Which usually means we stop trying to be virtuous and we just kind of let it all hang out. This is why it's important for us to go and to talk to the people who were closest to the saints. Maybe spiritual directors or people in their home or otherwise, as we said, to see, was it a nice facade of holiness that they put on in the, in the public eye? 
Or was it genuine holiness that was actually their life? So I'd invite you to reflect upon your own life and maybe think about what your family would say about you if they were asked, what does your spiritual state look like? What is your holiness in this world? And then consider what your family might say. If you want to go above and beyond, you might ask your family. Be an interesting response to see what they have to say. The simple fact is that every one of us is called to holiness with no exceptions. There's not a person in this world that can say, I'm not called to be holy. It's part of our nature. We are people. And as people, the Lord has called us, every single one, to live a life of virtue, to be holy. Today is the Feast of the Holy Family, wherein we set up as the model to imitate the example to follow behind, that of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Models of perfect holiness as a husband and father, a mother and a wife, and as a child. Certainly they are perfect. And so sometimes that can be a discouragement to us, that we, are, we can't be perfect, and so we let ourselves off the hook. But the simple fact is that they are examples that we should seek to follow after and to imitate as much as we can. Imperfect though we may do it. And to ask their prayers. To help them, to ask them to help us to become good children of God, husbands or wives or children in this world. St. Paul gives us an invitation today. And he sort of lays out a plan of action for husbands and wives and for children to be able to live this life of holiness. If you're wondering what does it mean for a husband or wife to be holy, St. Paul gives us a written example, and St. Joseph and the Holy Family of Jesus and Mary give us a lived one in the Gospel. Joseph in the Gospel, you see, he goes and he takes his family, as the angel declares to him, as the leader of the family, and he leads them off to safety. He cares for them, protects them, provides for them, nourishes them, watches over them. Our Lady, as a loving wife and mother, trusts St. Joseph, and she follows. And the child Jesus, at that point still an infant, goes with him. But as he begins to grow, he is called to be obedient and to go also where his father and mother go. And this is what St. Paul writes for us in, his sec- in our second reading today. Wives, be subordinate to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, be obedient to your parents. In our current social climate, that can be a scandalous thing to suggest. Wives, be subordinate to your husbands. Reeks of what the world loves to call toxic masculinity. The world at this day, in the days today has this idea that if you express anything of masculinity, usually it's a bad thing, and it needs to be avoided at all costs. Certainly there are things that are about the masculine that can be negative, and many of the the stereotypes of the past, the Archie Bunkers in real life, are not models that we should live up to as ones to follow as good husbands and wives and to imitate. Rather, we look to Joseph, and we look to other holy men in the Scriptures, as to be what it is to be husbands. Men, to be a husband, 
to be a man, whether you're married or not, is to be a spiritual leader, to lead your family, to lead whoever is entrusted to your care, and to be happy to do so. The simple fact is that sometimes it's difficult, or sometimes it's not even present, a man's spiritual leadership. Many times it's the mother who is the head of the family. And I recognize this by a simple kind of lived experience. Oftentimes when I go to people's homes or when I go out to dinner with a family or any of these kinds of scenarios, I usually don't take the lead to, um, to do the prayer. I defer to the, to the head of the household with whom, I'm, with whom I'm eating. I defer to the head of the household just kind of as a good general rule. I don't want to presume upon. Well, what intrigues me is how often... It's not the man of the house who says, all right, it's time to bless the food. Rather, it's the mother. It's the wife. The wife says, it's time to bless the food. And the husband goes, okay, and goes along with her. And while this is certainly a good thing, it's better than than not blessing the food at all. The simple fact is that the Lord has called the men to be the spiritual leaders in the family. Men, this is your place. You are called to lead your family to heaven. It's your first and primary task to lead your family to holiness. To be the model of holiness, first and foremost, like St. Joseph. To be an example for them to follow after. I can't tell you the number of stories that I've heard from people, from from whether it was men discerning priesthood, uh, whether whether it was women discerning religious life, or just ordinary people who were living a life of faith in a profound and spiritual way. And the thing that led them as children to realize how important their faith was, was they saw their father praying. It's normal for us to see ladies praying. When you come to daily mass, 90% of the time, it's a lot of ladies and a couple of men. But to see a man kneel and pray is a powerful thing for a child. Statistics, in fact, have gone and, and, and verified this. I mean, we can go look at the role of fathers in the lives of their children. It impacts a whole variety of things in the life of a, of, a, of, a, of a youth, seeing their father and having them present and engaged in life, but especially in the spiritual life. If, a mother only, if only the mother goes to church, the children are less inclined to go to church in the future. But if, but if the husband goes to church, and if it's only the husband, the children are much more inclined to go to church. And if the husband with his wife goes to church, it's almost guaranteed that the children will follow. The role of a husband as a spiritual leader is incredibly important and not to be underestimated. So gentlemen, I would encourage you, be the spiritual leaders of your family. This doesn't mean people beat people over the head with the Bible. It doesn't mean beat people over the head with, we got to do this, we got to do that, we got to do this, and go crazy with things. Because obviously there's, you know, that would be crazy. But to love your wife and your children is to will their good. To desire the thing that is best for them, namely, eternal life. To strive for that. Ladies... Be subordinate to your husbands. Not in the sense of whenever he says anything, you do it and you jump you know, at, the, at, the, at the, the drop of a pen ready to go. 
So much as to say in the bottle of St. Joseph, when Joseph says the Lord is calling us to go this way, Mary trusts. And when a man invites his wife to a deeper life of prayer within their family or more, uh, a more devoted life in some way, devoted to God, the wife should go, yes, absolutely. But ladies, you know that sometimes the men don't step up. And if they don't step up, you do. And that's why oftentimes we see the ladies asking for prayer to happen before the meals. And so we see the ladies stepping up to do so many things. But certainly in the midst of that, to pray for your men, to pray for the men in your family, your husbands, your sons, that they may be able to experience what it is to be good spiritual leaders in the family, to encourage them. Children, to to be obedient to your parents. Now, every one of us as former children doesn't really like that idea in part, I think. Every one of us, when we were a child, were less than keen to be obedient to our parents. Cue the train horn. Excellent. Okay. So... There's this reality that a child, when they're growing, they're seeking to establish their individuality, seeking to establish their, uh, their kind of independence. And as, that, as such, the child necessarily kind of rebels a bit against their parents. Every parent who has a child knows that. It's, it's just part of things, right? But the simple fact is, for youth to be able to recognize also, even in the midst of that, that the things that parents ask are not bad things. I've yet to meet a parent who was going, who told me, Father, I'm doing a really great job. I am trying to destroy my child's life, and I'm awesome at it. No parent has ever told me that. Rather, every parent has told me something to the effect, if they tell me anything at all, something to the effect of, or they're, they're, they're trying to get their kids to do good things. They're, they're struggling to, to be able to, 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 to basically help their child along. Parents want you to succeed. They want you to experience God's goodness and wholeness and holiness. And they're trying. Trust in that. Be obedient to them. Listen to them and follow after them as our Lord Jesus was obedient to his parents. In all of these things, sometimes we may kind of push back against it a little bit. And that's certainly understandable. But the simple fact is that in all of these things, we see that this really is kind of a divinely inspired order of things. If we look at the Holy Family, Joseph, who is the leader of the family, is the one who, in a sense, is kind of the, the lowest of the three. I mean, the, the baby of the family is God himself. So the baby of the family really should be running the show. But he submits obediently to his parents. The one who's, who should be next in line behind the, behind the baby Jesus is our Blessed Mother, who, who is unique among all of creation. She's the only one who ever existed that God preserved from sin rather than saved from sin afterwards. God jumped through extra hoops just to keep her pure and perfect to prepare the way for the Lord. Certainly she should have the next say in the house. And yet she too is placed under the care of her husband. And it's Joseph who is called to lead. All of these things in each of the three persons are examples of holiness. 
in obedience to the will of God, obedience to the plan of God for us as men and women, as humility, to accept the role given to us, not to try to claim something otherwise, but to accept that which the Lord ordains. And to the extent that we accept it, we grow in holiness. Humility is the foundation of all virtue because it allows us to receive what comes from God rather than to try to claim for ourselves what we will. And so as we celebrate this Holy Mass in honor of the Holy Family, let us turn to them, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Let us ask for their help. Let us set them before our eyes constantly and as an example to follow after, that we too might become holy families.